Good morning. Thank you for joining us here at Freedom Fellowship this morning. Uh, fun part about being home, you can make some coffee, enjoy some uh, worship and study of God's Word together. We got a lot set before us today, and I'm really excited. I got uh, Brother Wes in the house. He's going to be sharing uh, with us his testimony to testify, as we saw last week in Revelation. We considered uh, chapter 12, verse 10, where it tells us that they overcame Satan. How? By the blood of the Lamb. Jesus on the cross, and also the testimony of the saints. So uh, we're hoping to get some uh, more testifying happening. So uh, look forward to that in weeks to come. But before we have that, uh, we have the blessing of just a neat brother and sister in the Lord, the Baruths, uh, Philip and Anne are going to lead us in our time of worship together this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to them. Uh, now, and then we will come back and hear from our brother Wes, and then we get to jump into Revelation chapter 7 this morning, considering the 144,000. Um, a lot of good stuff today. Glad you're joining us. Good morning. We invite you to worship along with us this morning. We're happy to be able to be part of this, and we ask um, Jesus to come and um, be in our midst this morning. Father, we ask for a special anointing, a special blessing on this time. We pray that your Holy Spirit will work through these songs and through us, Lord God, to bless this congregation. And Lord, I just pray that their hearts will be um, enriched, and Lord, they'll be uplifted in this, in this very difficult time that many of us are going through. So Father, we just pray now, Lord, that you just um, um, be pleased. We offer these, this worship to you and that it would be acceptable to you, that the honor that is due your name would come through this worship. In Jesus' name, amen. The first song we're going to sing is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Yeah. 
focus on page 298. We're going to sing a song entitled, another old song entitled Heaven's Jubilee, which is, uh, I think, appropriate in that we're in the book of Revelation, studying the book of Revelation. This is a song that deals with the, the content of chapter 4, which is the rapture. <laughs> Oh, 
stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments not the sun? Thank you so much. You guys are a blessing. It is good to worship with you guys uh, this morning and all of us. Uh, that's so cool when we think about the reality of uh, being able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He didn't say you had to do it in a building with four walls. Uh, he's looking for those whose hearts are just loyal to him. Um, and it is a blessing to be able to uh, worship him and even corporately together this morning even though uh, we're all over the place and I know we got people tuning in all over the United States even the world have been taking in uh, our studies here which is a huge blessing but it is good to praise our king for he is definitely worthy um, yeah and he's the giver of good gifts uh, and I'm really excited at this time to have a uh, brother that I've gotten to know well uh, over the last few months. I enjoy uh, fellowship with him, uh, serving with him. He's been coming down to uh, the Freedom Center Food Pantry and serving on a regular basis and just love uh, seeing his heart for Jesus. And uh, just, I know you'll be encouraged today uh, just hearing from him. So at this time, I'm going to ask Wes uh, to come on up and uh, to testify. So Wes, if you want to come. church family. Uh, it's Wes Brown here. Um, Landon asked me to give um, a bit of my testimony, and um, I'm very happy to do this because um, it speaks a lot to God's forgiving nature and um, the depths of our depravity that he can pull us out of. So um, I guess a little bit about, briefly about my background. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, I lived there until I was uh, about 29, and my uh, wife at the time and I uh, and our two children moved to Utah. Um, my wife and I got married uh, in 2008, and uh, we had a very, very difficult marriage, uh, largely because of me um, and my sins. Um, I was uh, uh, very self-centered. Um, I, after decades of um, coping with trying to cope with my own 
problems and stresses, I, uh, I developed the habit of always turning to sex for, for everything, um, stress relief, um, coping, uh, attention, every, everything. Um, it was, like I said, very selfish. And uh, I'm uh, obviously nothing to be proud of. And uh, that um, worked towards destroying my marriage uh, in, in many different ways. So, um, uh, I mean, in summation, uh, I, was, I was just a horrible husband. Um, I, uh, my idea of marriage was not the biblical one. Um, and while I attended church for uh, 12 years or so, um, I thought I was saved. I thought I, was, I, thought I knew the Bible, uh, but my intellectualism and focus on academics really... Um, really deluded me, uh, and uh, I was very focused on head knowledge. Uh, I knew Jesus up here, but um, it definitely wasn't in here. For all intents and purposes, I was a nominal Christian. Um, I attended every Sunday. I was involved in many ministries, including a 20s ministry. Uh, I sat on a church board while we were in Utah. Um, It was the quintessential um, uh, in-name-only Christian. And um, when we moved to Wisconsin in uh, May of 2017, uh, it was just a very dark period. Um, I had never wanted to move here. I never thought I would be here. Um, and uh, it was it was uh, a way that brought me, or something that brought me very deep into my depression that I dealt with for a very long time, um, but refused to acknowledge. Um, all the uh, all the secular therapy that I had gone through over the previous several years uh, just proved very ineffective. It never dealt with heart issues, um, and it only dealt with the symptoms of things. Uh, instead of truly fixing my heart, it just gave me what people call healthy coping mechanisms to deal with the stresses of this world and this life, and and that's what what I tried to focus on. Um, unfortunately, none of those things help. And, um, because they're not, they're just treating the symptom, like I said, and, um, none of them dealt with the heart. Um, so that depression added to the ways that I coped with, uh, by using sex, um, and relationships and, um, women. And it was just very, um, it just led to a deeper and deeper spiral. Uh, and, the 10 months that I spent in Wisconsin were very, um, very hard, uh, probably the darkest of my life. Um, and that ultimately culminated in my arrest um, in March of 2018. Um, I spent uh, 20 months incarceration. Uh, and the six weeks, I would say, after my arrest were just the blackest of the black. Um, the deepest I could go. Um, I, stemming from my depression from when I was younger, it was uh, very easy for me to um, contemplate suicide. And in those six weeks, I was extremely close. I was planning my own demise. And uh, I cried a lot. <laughs> there were many tears shed um, just from the, the hopelessness because when, when you're incarcerated, uh, especially for the first time, it's, it's very, very easy to lose 
any amount of hope that you have and, and being in the, the black spot that I was, um, it, there was barely any hope left to lose. And so um, I, I, I realized how much I, was, I had destroyed, um, how many lives I've damaged and, and pain I've caused. Um, I saw no way out. And, and that was the only one. I, I felt like I've disappointed everybody, uh, including my, my wife and my kids, uh, my parents, friends. Um, I had lost many people, you know, just, just by being arrested and, and the charges that I faced. Um, but uh, about a month after I was arrested, I uh, was in the day room in the, the block I was in. And uh, two brothers were sitting at the day room table, and I sat down with them, and I was just spilling my heart about about all this stuff that I'm just saying, and uh, how I was hopeless, how I didn't feel like I I had any chance for anything. Um, like I said, I, I was a nominal Christian. I knew who Jesus was. I I uh, thought I was a Christian even up to that point. Um, and uh, as tears rolling down my face, uh, my brother Armando, he's from Mexico. He speaks very little English, but enough to get by. And he asked if he could pray for me. And I thought to myself, oh, what I have to lose? So I told him, yeah. And uh, he prayed in Spanish. I have no idea what he prayed, uh, even to this day. I have no idea. But um, I, it, it's undoubtedly, in my mind, <laughs> I felt undoubtedly the Holy Spirit that night uh, moving and um, that night I went back to my cell and uh, I prayed I read my Bible for the next two weeks uh, until the night of May 14th uh, 2018 I again was in my cell uh, I just wrestled with God through scripture um, I read Galatians a lot um, I read a lot of the Gospels um, during that time, and when I got to my cell that night, uh, I was journaling, and I realized that I, I had nothing left but Jesus, and um, I was in a few Bible studies at that point. Uh, Chaplain Dave at Fox Valley Jail Ministry was very instrumental. God used him in, in immense ways, and um, one of the things that, that Chaplain Dave uh, focuses on so much is surrender. And uh, that was a very foreign concept for me um, up until that point. You, I, I would hear it talked about, but it was never um, explained. It was never told to me why it, surrender is important um, and, and uh, such a crucial aspect of our faith. Uh, but... Chaplain Dave was, was very intent on, on getting that message across, and I, I was contemplating that. And when, it, when you realize that you're under, at the end of your rope and that there are, is nowhere else to turn to, there, <laughs> when Jesus is presented to you as that opportunity to surrender, what, what, what else is there to surrender? You're already, you've already lost everything, especially in a situation like mine. I had nothing, nothing. Um, even communication with people was extremely difficult at that moment, and I had nobody else but Christ. Um, so that night, May 14th, I, uh, as I was journaling, I broke down, I sobbed, I cried out to the Lord for forgiveness and for salvation. Um, 
and I fell asleep that night praying and crying. And when I woke up in the, the next day, uh, there was an extreme sense of calmness about me that I hadn't felt in a very long time. Um, I think that was the beginning of feeling God's grace, and uh, uh, it was it was just it was an amazing feeling. Um, just such the contrast from from the the deepest blackness that you could think of in the preceding uh, year um, to that point was it, it made it made the grace and and the mercy that much more prominent and uh, and palpable. And so from that point on, it was about God breaking me down. Um, uh, all these kingdoms that I had erected in my heart um, towards various things um, had to be destroyed. The walls had to come down. Every block had to be turned over. And um, again, Chaplain Dave, uh, the jail ministry, uh, the brothers that I had in my block, which were many, um, were all part of, of that growth. And I very slowly um, realized that there were many things that I was holding on to that I thought I was in control of that uh, I needed to die to. And that included my marriage, which was going to eventually end. Um, my children, even, whom I adore, and uh, which was probably the hardest uh, to let go of um, and to turn over to him. Um, my career, which was already destroyed <laughs> uh, as of my arrest. Um, relationships and, and friends, um, this, the ideas that you have for your life, um, the, everything, every, every single aspect of, of my life had to be turned over. And through, through that summer of 2018, I, I had worked on these things immensely. And, um, but by the grace of God, I've, <laughs> I've been able to, to overcome those, um, turning over, People like your ch own children to the Lord, because you realize that that they are not your own. That that when you're putting your hope even in your kids, uh, that that they might bring you some kind of purpose in this life. Uh, Chaplain Dave used to always talk about this: when whatever we put our hope in in this world, um, th this world ebbs and flows. And as as it ebbs, uh, or as it flows, our hopes go up. And as it ebbs, our hopes go down. It's like a roller coaster ride. And the only thing in this world uh, that is constant is the Lord. And um, that's what I had come to realize. So, um, like I said before, I was sentenced to 20 months in prison. Um, I uh, did three months in actual prison uh, at Dodge Correctional. Um, and I was sent back to county jail uh, in a different county. And uh, those. 10 months that I spent there were challenging because there was very little uh, spiritual activity going on. I didn't have brothers like I had out of Gamey. And um, I was very um, uh, concerned about this. <laughs> I brought this to God numerous times, and um, he kept telling me, it's going to be okay, Wes. Like, this is, this is part of the process. And what I learned from that, from that whole period was that <clears throat> he was preparing me for when I got out. Um, he was making me disciplined. He was setting a routine for me to get into the Word every day, to um, rely on Him uh, as I was by myself. There was that solitude um, that's so crucial in our faith. Uh, it wasn't about being alone. It was about being solitary and dependent on the Lord. And those 10 months taught me that. Um, 
uh, upon my release, um, actually stepping back to Outagamie County, I was presented with uh, our brother James Trammell, um, who was my one-on-one uh, counselor at Outagamie, and we had kept in contact that whole time. Um, the uh, Obviously, I, I'm not from Wisconsin, and so uh, I don't have family here. Um, all my family's in Pennsylvania. I have. I was literally getting released into nothing. Um, didn't even have a vehicle. I didn't have a place to live. Uh, uh, I, I don't have family to rely on immediately here. Um, and so I, again, needed to depend fully on the Lord. And, and uh, uh, just very briefly, it was um, uh, in September. I was getting released in November of 2019. In September, I still didn't have a place to live. And... Uh, the first week I was contacted by the social worker um, who was working with my PO that my my PO had a play, potential place for me, which is unheard of. POs don't do this sort of thing. And and uh, I immediately thought that this could be it. This this is, could be a sign from, from God that he's providing for me um, because everything else was falling through. And uh, within a month, uh, I had a place secured to live. Um, my, my parents were blessed by the Lord to uh, have the finances to afford me a vehicle. Um, James was my connection here at Freedom, which I'm so thankful for. Um, and uh, so after my release, uh, I was picked up by my parents here and uh, taken to Appleton. And I had a place to live immediately. I had a vehicle to drive. I had a church family to come to the, the very first Sunday after my release. It was like... I spent those 20 months incarcerated, and God was working everything out. Um, uh, Psalm 68 <laughs> always always comes to mind. I'll share just one couple verses here um, really quick because it's so applicable. Um, it says uh, in verse 5 and 6, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. And I, it's so applicable to, to this situation because um, I don't have immediate family here in Wisconsin. Um, I was a literal prisoner uh, as well as a, a figurative prisoner to my bondage, to my sin. Um, and... Uh, I, I was brought out of that. I was brought out of the, those bonds. Um, that cage was was open to me, and and I took the opportunity to walk out by accepting Christ. And that that in a nutshell is is everything. Like that that should be everybody's testimony. The the bondage that we were in um, is able to be broken. In fact, it is broken now. We only stay in it because we want to. Um, the, the darkness is appealing to people, uh, but the Lord, the Lord works in, in very mighty ways. And, um, I believe my testimony is proof to that. Uh, and, and I'm just so happy to be here at freedom. I remember on our day of prayer, I, I mentioned this too, that I, I've never felt judged here. I've never felt, um, like my, my, my past, my, my criminal history is black, um, and it's like nothing, none of that matters. Um, Christ, Christ's spirit is present here. And, uh, and it's, it's noticeable because of the reception that you, you get when you walk in here. Um, 
I'm thankful for for the church body, especially here at Freedom, um, the jail ministry included. Um, and there's so many connections here in the valley to different the different parts of the body of Christ. And uh, Freedom is just a, a very bright light in that network. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I shared this before with Landon as well, that uh, uh, there's a quote from Jefferson Bathkey that, if grace is like water, then the church should be an ocean, and that's very much freedom here. Um, it was almost immediately that I, I got here that people welcomed me. Of course, I knew James, but that was it, literally it, when I got here. Um, within a, a, a few short weeks of just attending Sundays, um, I, I had met a whole plethora of people um, other brothers, uh, younger brothers, older brothers, uh, able to, to fellowship with and that were sincere in their faith, that, that knew Jesus with their hearts and not just with their heads. Um, and that's, that's exactly the, the type of body that, that you got to be in. So um, I would highly encourage anybody that's watching this that uh, if they're looking for a church family, um, they're looking for sincere brothers and sisters in the faith to drive out to Kakana and visit Freedom because it's, um, this, this is, like I said, a, a bastion of light uh, in the valley for, for Jesus. So um, I'm going to share a few verses here out of Psalm 107 that I think are applicable as well, not just to my testimony, but to, to anybody's. Um, I'm going to start in uh, verse 10. It says, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from this, their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. And then down in verse 33, he says, He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. Um, again, as I, I, I read those words, and I, I feel they apply to my life so much. Uh, the blackness that I was in, the darkness that I, for so long that I was um, content in and wanted. Um, I was running away from God, especially those uh, that year, be, about a year before my arrest. I was running from Him, and there was just blackness everywhere. I I, I turned away from Him at, at every corner I could. I, I didn't want Him, and uh, the Hound of Heaven is relentless, and Jesus will track you down no matter where you go. Um, if your heart is not set to Him. And he wants you, he will find you uh, at all costs. And that uh, our afflictions come uh, when we're running from God because of that. He's, 
speaking from personal experience, he puts you in a place where you have nothing else, where you you have nowhere else to turn but to him. And he proves the glory of his name time and time again through those instances. Um, that humility that comes through that affliction is is crucial. And, uh, and I would <laughs> invite you to embrace those afflictions and embrace the humility, the uncomfortability of, of it all because Christ works mightily in those moments and those are the moments that he saves the most. Um, so uh, I hope that my testimony was encouraging and um, uh, yeah, I know coronavirus has uh, affected how we meet here, but um, should anybody want to reach out to me, I'm very much happy to talk about things in even more detail if if you so wish so i'll uh turn it back over to landon here hey wes you want to close in prayer? <laughs> sure thanks for sharing yeah awesome. yeah no problem man uh, heavenly father we thank you for uh who you are um we thank you for the character that you that you have and that you show repeatedly through your word uh through your actions um lord you are love and you are mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And uh, Lord, we, we all, especially myself, were, were and are deserving of hell. Um, complete condemnation. But Lord, you came to us. You humbled yourself and showed us how to humble ourselves uh, before the God of this universe. And you embody love. You embody mercy. Lord, thank you for bringing that to us all. Thank you for this gift of salvation that uh, we don't need to rely on ourselves to save ourselves, that we do not need to be self-reliant. In fact, we shouldn't be. We, these things are sin as well, and you remind us of, of this, that nothing that we can do uh, can make us righteous, that the blood of your Son alone is what cleanses, is what makes us right in your eyes. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for coming to us. We thank you for the cross that you died upon. And we ask that you keep us all, that you, your hand is upon us, that your hand is, is uh, gentle on, on your saints, and that you continue calling more and more to you, Lord. Father, help us to be a light in this world, uh, both here at Freedom and elsewhere, that we can speak your truth and your love into the hearts of others, that that we can be lampstands for, for your shining light, that spark that, that uh, ignites our hearts towards you. Lord, help us to bring that, that truth to others. Help us to shine light on them um, in their darkness that they, they are so comfortable with. Lord, Give us the strength and the courage and the, the humility to, uh, to do these things, Lord. Thank you for this church body and the way that you've constructed it and built it to, to glorify you, Lord. We just seek to glorify your name in all that we do. We seek to bring you honor and praise. And we ask that you um, enable us and empower us with your spirit to do all of these things, Lord. Uh, Pray for uh, Landon's message that he's about to give, and uh, we thank you for um, 
for raising up leadership here in this church that that love you and that are after your heart uh, because they inspire the rest of your body to do the same, Lord. Keep our eyes set on you, uh, high and straight in front of us. Don't let us wander. Don't let us uh, take our own path, but keep us on that straight and narrow way, Lord. Yours is the way everlasting, and we thank you for wanting us, for choosing us, and, and desiring a relationship with us, Lord. Father, we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Thank you for having me here. Wes, thank you so much. Uh, what a blessing. What an encouragement uh, this morning. And there is power in testimony. And I love uh, just what you shared out of Psalm 107. Uh, there makes me think of uh, the first few verses of Luke 12, just uh, the hypocrisy there of the Pharisees. You guys know that God cares about uh, the internal reality more than what's going on and what man thinks of us, the external uh, things. And at this time, one thing I love about getting into God's word, uh, not just for myself, but for uh, us corporately, we know that his word does not return void. Um, and there's a blessing in studying it uh, because it does do a work um, internally in the spirit. And those who have ears to hear, it's good for us to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, and that's our desire this morning, is that our hearts would be open to his word. So if you would turn now to Revelation chapter uh, 7 is what we're going to get into this morning. But I want to jump back a little bit where we were last week, picking up in chapter 6, verse 15. In the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, they hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to? To stand, And that is a great valid question. And the question is, who is able to stand? And that's where chapter 7 comes into place now, because this is who is going to be able to stand. So take a look with me here. Revelation 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, uh, whom it is granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So I think this is so cool. Okay, once again, um, we consider being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 30 tells us that we have been sealed for the day of redemption. You can also jot down uh, 2 Timothy 2.19 also talks about us being sealed and God knows who's uh, who are his. Uh, but I think about the reality. What have we been sealed for as the church? Here we're reading about the 44,000 being sealed during yet future, the great tribulation. But Jesus is building right now um, an eternal temple within us. Okay, Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? You ought to. That's what the scriptures uh, teach us. And I love um, 2,000 years later, uh, the church is growing. I think about what's going on throughout the entire world. I don't know if you know this or not, but revival is popping up and starting all over the place. A lot of us are like, whoa, this corona thing. It's killing us. No, uh, people are, are coming to life, eternal life. Uh, and it is very, very exciting uh, through this. But looking at this, we see again, the rapture of the church has taken place. The church, those who've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, uh, have been taken out uh, of the world. And now we saw last week the four horsemen uh, come on the scene there. Jesus begins, the Lamb of God, to open up the seals. We went through all of them. And now the seventh seal is being opened up. And there's like this pause that takes place. And that's chapter 7 here. And what is going on? Well, we're getting this heavenly scene taking place. These four angels are there, okay? Um, and we're introduced to these servants of God. And it's so cool because if you look down there at verse 3, it says that the servants of our God are the ones who are sealed. And who are they? Well, we're told in the last part of verse 4, they're of the tribes of the children of Israel. And I love this. Today, um, just locally speaking, we have many different Christian denominations and there's many beliefs out there. And there is a theology that teaches that the church, us believers in Christ, have replaced Israel. That God is done with Israel. Those Jews, they're the ones that even though Jesus came to his own, the Jewish people, they rejected him. They had him crucified. And because they rejected them, God said, I'm done with you. I'm finished. Forget you guys. I'm moving on to the Gentile world and they're going to replace you. That is so unbiblical. And the bummer is there are many denominations and churches that hold to that type of theology that the church has replaced Israel. Um, <clears throat> Olive Tree Ministries this last week threw out a post, and I want to look into it more, um, but we know a lot of new translations of the Bible are coming out in English. It seems like every year, here's another one. Uh, well, the Lutherans, and I don't know what sect of Lutheranism it is. It may be the ELCA. I don't know. Um, but in the article, they came out with a new translation, and they've literally replaced the word Israel. It's gone. It's not even in there. And part of that is because Lutherans believe in replacement theology. The bummer is they don't trust the literal word of God because God made an everlasting covenant with Israel. And you can study the covenants. It's very clear 
there. You can read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. God's not done with Israel. That's something that he actually put in his word not to ignore or be ignorant of. And the problem is most denominations today hold to that bad theology. So the question is here during the Great Tribulation, yet future, okay, we have the 12 tribes here being sealed, and these are servants of God. He's not done with Israel. And really, the tribulation that we're studying here from chapters 6 to 19 is that last seven years of that 490 years that were spoken of by the prophet Daniel in chapter 9. Um, we had that odd seven years still hanging out there. What is that? Well, that's the great tribulation, and that's what this is speaking to, a seven-year period of time that God is going to deal with his people. And during this time, we see that many of them get saved. So if you're caught up into replacement theology, uh, reconstructionism, or kingdom now theology, um, it's just wrong. <laughs> Uh, you need to believe the word of God. Um, a lot of a lot of cults buy into being part of that 144,000 because you have bad theology. Uh, therefore, the church can be a part of the 144,000. In Mormonism history, that's how they got rolling and started. Well, they grew. That didn't work. The Jehovah Witnesses hold to that they are part of the 144,000. Bad theology. Seventh-day Adventists even uh, believe that they are part of that 144,000. Uh, again, if you read, it's all the tribes of the children of Israel. So if you bought into those lies, you're not believing the word of God. And clearly, it is speaking to the children of Israel. And the bummer is so many of these people groups, these cults, they write the Jews off as a people. Um, and that's from the pit of hell. That's what Satan's been trying to do throughout history, even re recent history, man. You look at the last hundred years, just the Holocaust alone and just all the fighting that is going on now with people uh, returning to their homeland. Jews from all over are in Israel, millions of them. God is doing what he said he would do in the last days. Well, if God's replaced the Jewish people with the church, Israel, uh, why is he being faithful to his promises that he prophesied much about? Um, anyways, I just roll with the word of God. What it says, I believe it. I believe that he's speaking to a literal 144,000 people here. If you look at verse 5 here uh, in chapter 7, it says, Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. And of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. In the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. And of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 got or were sealed. And just pause real quick. Did you guys know that Levi Chaya got married this week? Congratulations, bro. Uh, he used to be a part of our fellowship here. Um, youth pastored for us. Uh, he went off and uh, schooling, Dean of Men out at the Bible College, uh, doing a lot of different, uh, just neat things for the Lord. Anyways, congratulations, brother. We're so excited for you. Uh, of the tribe of uh, Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. And of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 
were sealed. So some of you guys reading through this, you're just like, all right, what's up with this list? We see these tribes mentioned. I've read about these tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob before. It comes up often in scripture, actually 29 times in the Bible. We see them listed. And I want to go with you guys because we're reading through this list. You know, we see some people are missing. Where's Dan? Where's Ephraim? Why is Joseph mentioned there? Well, I'm going to take you guys to the first place that we see it mentioned. It's all the way back in Genesis chapter 35 is the first time that we are introduced uh, to the 12 tribes of Israel. So if you're flipping there with me, uh, we're going to take a look. We'll look at the second part of verse 22 in Genesis 35. It says, Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. And the sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. And the sons of Billah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Nephtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born in Padam, Iran. Iran. So um, we know later that the prophet Ezekiel prophesied much uh, concerning the return of Christ and what he would do when he established his kingdom during the millennial reign. And we find in Ezekiel 48, verse 30 and on there, Another list that's exactly uh, the same there um, uh, at the end of all things. So, uh, as God is establishing things at the end of the tribulation for the millennial kingdom, they're exactly the same, but they're not the same in Revelation 7. So, what is going on there? Well, I'd like to turn just a few books over to Judges chapter 18 with you guys for a moment um, and we're going to explain a little bit of this because we have Dan missing from the list in Revelation 7. What about their tribe? Why aren't they there? Well, I'm glad you asked and let's take a look together. Judges 18 verse 30 and the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image Uh-oh. and Jonathan the son of Gershom and the son of Manasseh. And his sons were priests of the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So again, no Dan mentioned in Revelation 7. Why? Well, we see them partaking in idolatry here. That was a big no-no. God said for children of Israel, they were not to. Let's turn over to 1 Kings. We also see in 1 Kings chapter 12, look at verse 28 together. Oh, let's pick it up in verse 25 for a little bit of context. 1 Kings 12. Verse 25, then Jeroboam, uh, bad, bad king, uh, built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim. Again, Ephraim was another one that wasn't in 
the list there in Revelation 7. And he dwelt there. And he went out there and he built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up and offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam of Judah. Now look at verse 28. Therefore the king at, or asked advice, and he made two calves of gold. We've seen that before, right? Idolatry, false worship there on Mount Sinai. And it says, and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made shrines on the high places. And he made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Ouch! Now I want to go to Hosea with you guys. Uh, minor prophet. Right after the book of Daniel, which we are also taking some time as a fellowship to study. You can find that study. I did an intro this last week into chapter one on that. And Daniel is an awesome book to come alongside the book of Revelation because there's a lot of things that are unlocked. There are questions we have in Daniel and Revelation fit together. Things are explained fully. Uh, so it's going to be a blessing to take a study of that uh, together. So what I want to look at is the last uh, part of chapter 4 in Hosea. The prophet tells us in verse 17, Ephraim is joined to idols and let him alone. Their drink is rebellion. They commit harlotry continually. Her rulers dearly love dishonor. The wind has wrapped her up in its wings and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. So not only Ephraim here, but also Dan were guilty of idolatry. And why is that so bad? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28 together. Deuteronomy 28.58 If you do not carefully observe all all the words of this law that are written in this book that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sickness. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, verse 61, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed, and you shall be left few in number. Catch that. Whereas you were as the stars of the heaven in the multitude because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And just flip over one more chapter. 
Look at Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. So that there may be among you, man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and to serve the gods of these nations and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood and so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying i shall have peace even though i follow in the dictates of my heart and as though the drunkard could uh, be included with the sober verse 20 the lord would not spare him for then the anger of the Lord and his zeal uh, or jealousy will burn against that man. And every curse that is written in this book would settle on him. And the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity according to the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law. So God must judge these tribes, okay? He's just. He has to do it. But don't you guys love, um, even though uh, they blew it, okay, they would still be few. God wasn't going to utterly destroy them, be done with them. He is faithful to his promises not to destroy them. Um, I love, guys, where sin abounds, what are we told in Scripture? Grace abounds much more. We could go on, but let's get back to Revelation 7 here together. So the 144,000 are these sealed Jewish people, okay? Um, we've got to watch out for idolatry. Uh, we we uh, are told to keep ourselves from idols. That's what the Apostle John the Revelator uh, wrote in one of his epistles. Uh, and again, we're reminded of Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and on. Uh, we love to uh, worship the creation rather than the creator and there are consequences when we suppress the truth in that way. There is only one God and we are not to make him in our image. We are not to uh, make our God the way we want him to be. No, he is God and he has declared through his word who he is. And for us to mess with any of that, um, that's idolatry. Um, so, Chapter 7 of Revelation, verse 9. And after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number. This is awesome. Of who? Well, we're told all nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne of the Lamb. So these are resurrected believers in Jesus here before the throne. And we're told that they have uh, been clothed with these white robes. They have the palm branches in their hands and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels think about what type of worship service uh, this must have been. Okay, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell there on their faces and they worshiped God. And that's what really characterizes God. He is worthy to be worshiped. 
And then look at verse 12 saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Man, we should be in awe of God because he is God. And when we find ourselves in that place of being in awe of him, man, things just shake out rightly in our lives. Um, stop placing your faith or hope or whatever in some false thing. Um, we find ourselves in awe of a lot of things in this life of creation, um, and they let us down. <laughs> they fail. It doesn't last because we're looking for the next thing to be in awe of, and eventually that wears away. But the truth of who God is he is worthy, and we are going to be in awe of him for all time. I think about this worship service here. Man, God there on the throne, and we worship him. Uh, let's go on. We'll wrap this up this morning. Look at verse 13 now. And then one of the elders answered and said, are saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? Well, Aren't elders supposed to know it all? Where are they coming from? Uh, I will tell you this. Elders don't know it all. Um, I'm an elder. My fellow elders, we don't know it all. Uh, but one thing we desire to do, and if you have good eldership in your church, they're going to lead you into spiritual conversation. And that's what this elder is doing here. Hey, John, What's going on? Look, verse 14. He's provoking this conversation. And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they washed their robes and they made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So John recognized the church back in chapter 4, verse 5, but he doesn't recognize these people. What does I tell you and I? Hey, we've been raptured. The church is gone. Who are these? These are the believers who come out of the great tribulation. I believe many are going to get saved during the tribulation. Verse 15, therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them and they shall neither hunger anymore or thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor the heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them. Don't we have a good shepherd? He's going to lead them to living fountains of water. And catch the last part here. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Guys, that is good news. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king, guys. Um, man, all pain being gone. Um, many are going to get saved. And uh, that's what our God does. He is mighty to save. And I think about these. Who are these? All these people. Um, you guys know in Luke 15, uh, verses 7 and 10, it talks about a party happening in heaven every time a sinner get saved okay they repent and they turn uh, to jesus and what a party this must be in heaven i'm loving revelation with you guys next week we'll get into chapter eight and start considering the trumpet judgments together 
Um, I sure hope your hearts are being stirred up. I know mine is. Uh, Father, thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for how your word can open our, our eyes, Lord, to understand, to see, to know. And we know that there are many, Father, that uh, live in unbelief. They need you. They need a Savior. And what a privilege we have uh, to share with others. I know many um, are very afraid right now. They don't have a living hope. Uh, but we have that hope to share with them, Lord, an eternal life. We pray that you give us opportunity to do that. We do pray for our loved ones, our friends, our co-workers. God, we know that this is a very unique time uh, where people are maybe weighing out um, eternal things. Uh, just pray that in it, that they would really be stirred up to seek you uh, earnestly, humbly uh, to do that. Thank you so much for my church family. God, I love uh, each and every one of uh, these guys. I just pray blessings upon them and their families this week. And we pray you keep adding to the church. We look forward to uh, the day that we can hang out together, God. But we know in truth that day might come real soon. We don't know the day or the hour, but you're coming for your church. Uh, and we look so forward even more so finally seeing you face to face. That's going to be an awesome day, Father. Uh, but until then, we want to be about your business. So we're asking of you, Lord, to establish our efforts. God, be glorified in and through your church. Thank you so much for this time together this morning. Uh, what a gift. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great week. We will be back here, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday at uh, 10 a.m. Peace.